The union fights the battle of freedom, freedom, freedom. The union fights the battle of freedom, and the bosses come tumbling down. When I started practicing in the 1980s, I had just started practicing and then we went on strike. Okay. You know, like six months into my practice, we went on strike. It's like from then, now this is 2022, listen to the nurses. You know, please listen to the nurses. Now we got a president that's union friendly, right? Now we're getting federal government that actually is putting money into this industry. But we 25, 30 years behind. You, you got China, man. China got cranes that load two, two forty for containers at a time. We still on, we ancient with our, our technology over here. I'm really like impressed following daily Starbucks workers to everyone in Canada and Quebec that says you cannot organize like small stores and stuff. They are doing it. So I, I hope that the, the Canadian and the Quebec workers, they, they, they catch that drift and that uh, Starbucks wave. That was music from Thursday night's session at the Great Labor Arts Exchange, which is being held this year at the Labor Notes Conference. Build is the largest gathering out there of grassroots union activists, worker center leaders, and all-round troublemakers, which runs through Sunday here in Chicago, Illinois. We'll be featuring it in our reports over the next few days. On today's show, we visit with Gladys Igbo, a nurse from St. Paul, Minnesota, Alan Rouse, a longshoreman from Charleston, South Carolina, and Chantal Eid and Frederick Cullen, Canadian unionists from Montreal. I'm Chris Garlock. Here's the show. Glory for a striking union band. The union fights the battle of freedom. Thank you. Freedom. Freedom. The union fights the battle of freedom. And the bosses come tumbling. One more. Bosses come tumbling. One more. Bosses come tumbling. Thank you so much. What's your name? I'm Gladys. And where are you from, Gladys? Minnesota. Okay, and Minnesota Nurses Association. And is this is this your first uh, Labor Notes conference? No, second. Yeah. Yes. And what are you looking forward today? Um, I'm looking for um, organizing strategies, you know, we are going through a contract negotiation right now, so it's, it really motivated me to come, you know, because the, the corporate is not listening to what the nurses are asking, so, so this would really energize us, you know, some of us are here, yeah, so it's a very good time. How many, how many came down? Um, about 23. From Minnesota, yeah, Minnesota Nurses Association, yeah. I'm just arriving, but I'm sure they're all over, yeah. And what are some of the main issues uh, facing you right now? Um, you mean, uh, well, um, we're understaffed, and then um, violence prevention at work. You know, we want the hospitals to be able to be more vigilant and provide resources, you know, to managing that. 
and overstaffing, you know, um, not enough staff at work. And um, other issues is we're asking for some, the economics, you know, we asked for certain percentage and they're not even close. Oh, wow. You know, so yeah, they're not even close. Our contract expired May 31st and we've been practicing with our contract since then. Okay. And what, what kind of nurse are you? Um, Stebland ICU. ICU, that's yeah. the toughest. Yeah. So um, we recuperate, or my, my unit recuperate people after um, open heart surgeries and heart transplants. I live in St. Paul, but I practice in Minneapolis, and I've been there for 44 years. 40, 44 years? 44 years, yeah, yes. Still fighting? Yes, still fighting. And it almost seems like, you know, the more you fight, the more things stay the same. <laughs> Isn't that interesting? It is, you know, it is interesting. It's very interesting because it's like, in, when I started practicing in the 1980s, I had just started practicing, and then we went on strike. Okay. You know, like six months into my practice, we went on strike. It's like from then, now this is 2022, listen to the nurses. You know, please listen to the nurses. We know what we want. We know what we need to take care of our patients. So most of us, majority of the nurses are there to take care of patients. You know, we're not even paid enough. Right. Nobody can pay enough, enough money for what we do. I just want to cry right now, but, you know, it's just that why do we have people like this that, you know, they don't have any hearts, you know? I, it's okay. Sorry, take your time. Take your time. It's okay. There has to be a corporate change. You know, we need to have the right people there. So now I'm worried about us going off on, on striking and, and leaving our patients. Yeah. Do you think about the, uh, you've been obviously doing it for a long time, so, you know, probably thinking about retirement. What about, what about your young colleagues? Well, the young colleagues now, they're more mobile, you know, so they do three, six months, they switch to, so there's no longevity. And that's because of what's going on. You know, there's a stress burnout because people are so overworked and overwhelmed, you know, and some of us have been there over 40 years. We know exactly what we're, what we're asking for. You know, so we need nurses to be retained. We need the people that have practiced to be retained because that's how you promote the knowledge. Right. You know, so if you have people, if you have people attritioning every six months, you know, there's no, there's no cohesiveness to, to, it's a profession. Thank you so much, Gladys. We'll see, we'll be around. We'll see you some more. Thank you for listening. My name is Alan Rouse Jr. And where are you from? Charleston, South Carolina. Charleston. We just talked to somebody from Charleston recently. All right. What do you do there? I'm a, a longshoreman. With which local? ILA Local 1422. How long have you been there? About 21 years. Okay. Tell me about uh, what kind of work do you do with a longshoreman? Um, well, I do everything um, from loading containers, um, uh, loading um, items into containers. Um, I drive tanks for the military, crane, um, Anything that goes on the ship or come off the ship, that's what I do. So, I, the work has changed. I mean, when I think you used to think of longshoremen, you mm -hmm. see the guys with the hooks and the... Oh, yeah, so the bail and hook, the, I mean, well, now, they don't use the hooks no more. Right. They have forklifts called the clamps, okay. and they still, they use the clamps to, uh, to store those inside rail cars. So, we still do paper. They used to do that to do paper and carton. We still do the paper, we still do the carton, but we have 
forklifts now with clamps and you know restore those like that but yeah the industry is growing to you know cars um we always were doing cars but you know it's easy way of doing cars now containers um like um stuffing and stripping we um we load containers with everything from bmws to tomatoes <laughs> you know um it, it is what it is right now i mean Everything goes in containers. Anything that you see, this table we resting on, these cloths, that's what we do. We load it, you know, import and export it, you know. So what are the things that, are, that you're looking at uh, that you think might be coming up in negotiations? Um, well, the biggest thing that's on my radar right now would be the upcoming national, international contract. Because, you know, um, inflation is has risen in the last couple of years. So, you know, you have Walmart now even paying $15, $17 an hour to certain individuals. And so it's hard for us to, you know, bring in as much people as we used to with our pay is the way it is. So we need to get our cushion back on top of the going, you know, um, the going rate, so to speak, for certain jobs. At one point, um, union labor in Charleston, South Carolina, you know, people don't think there's labor there. I mean, union there, but there is. But I remember, I remember the Charleston Five. <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, the Charleston Five, yeah. So the pay rate need to get back on top so we, it'll be attractive to to everyone else, you know, like the common, the common worker. And our benefits are still second to none. But the pay rate, the pay, is, the pay has been stagnant for the last six to eight years. I'm the president of APRI chapter in Charleston. So what I am focusing on, on, you know, bargaining, organizing. So that's my, that's my lane. So that's, you know, that's what stay I'm focused on. Yeah, stay in my lane. Let me just ask a question. Um, so you guys must be intimately involved in all the supply chain mess right now. I'd love to hear it from the inside what it looks like. Because all I ever hear is, you know, people are at a customer, you know. Uh-huh. But can you give us any insight into how that looks from you guys that are right in there? Um, all I can say is... The United States <laughs> don't put their money. They don't put their money where they need to be, um, because it's like we operate off of, um, say, our ports. Now we got a president that's union friendly, right? Now we getting federal government that is really federal government that actually is putting dumping money into this industry. But we twenty five, thirty years behind. You, you got China, man. China got cranes that load two, two forty for containers at a time. We still on, we, we ancient with our, our technology over here. We don't have those. No, we don't. So that puts us at a competitive disadvantage, doesn't it? Uh, I definitely. Mean, somebody like you over there can load twice as fast, right? Yeah, three times as fast. Yeah, it's yeah, really? crazy. But um, you know, it, it is what it is. But I mean, they're trying. They, they're catching up. But the infrastructure here in the United States is the subpar, man. We only can do what we can do. And um, everybody, everyone gets mad when they see the ships backed up in the harbor. But if you don't have enough truck drivers or you don't have the, the, the proper infrastructure in place to handle the, the volume that's coming off the ship, we, we only, <laughs> one box at a time. That's all we can do. Um, like in Charleston, there's several vessels that we worked that we actually had to stop uh-huh. working because we absolutely ran out of space on the yard. It had no place to put it. So what do you do then? So what, we, what they do is they open up the terminal 
um, say three o'clock in the morning, the truck drivers, uh -huh. and they they pay them at a higher rate to come and you know. Well, see, Charleston is a, I say Charleston is a, is a different type of port because we actually can move out our boxes to the rail. And we, we, we know that we rail it, we, um, you know, put it on the rail and move it inland to, to leave up space on the dock. And a lot of different ports, they're not, they don't have that capability. So, you know, that makes us unique. But it's still subpar. Effectively, last 20 years, but I, I'm 44. Yeah, I was, I'm 44 now. I was doing this since I was 15. Oh, man. Yeah. Did your dad do this before you? Was this um, thing? It's a family thing. So my uncle was Benjamin Flowers, Benjamin Flowers Sr. He was the president of um, 1422 for 20 years. Um, before, yeah, he, he was the president before Kenny Rowley. Yeah, and um, so, you know, um, my cousin, she's the financial secretary right now. My other cousin, her brother, is the vice president right now. It's a family thing, isn't yeah, it? so I'm, you know, I'm a, I'm a chairman of the board. I'm, you know, trustee. Um, you know, it's, it's funny to how it happens. It's, we didn't mean for it to happen like that, but when it's in your blood, it's in your blood. So, um, we just like to fight for the people, man. Basically, that's what we're doing, fighting for the people, and can't stand if management tried to take advantage of our members. That's when you really see how we, you know, we come together. But um, yeah, we love it, man. I, I love what I do. So like in Charleston, pe people, we are more a combative. I wouldn't say combative local, but uh, yeah, I would say combative local I was because. Ask it because the IRA has a reputation for being militant. Very. And I think maybe that's what you get. Yeah, very militant. And when we come out on the road, we see how other unions are lax and our locals are lax. We're like, we can't do that where we at. <laughs> no, we cannot. So let me get that first get your name. Chantal Ide. Okay, and where are you from? I'm from Montreal in Quebec. I, I knew I heard an accent. I wasn't sure what it was. <laughs> Hi, I'm Frederick Collin from uh, Montreal, Quebec also. And what uh, organization are you with? I'm with the Conseil Central du Montréal Metropolitan. So it's uh, affiliated with the CSN, the Confédération des Syndicats Nationaux. So CSN is a big union confederation in Quebec. We have 300,000 members. And the Montreal Central Council, we represent 100,000 members in Montreal, the island of Laval, in Nunavik. So we have Inuit members and in EU Ischi, Bay James, where we have uh, mostly, well, it's in Cree territory. And what kind of work would this be? Um, CSN, we do pretty much everything. We're like, uh, we have uh, federations for health and education, public services, private sector, uh, manufacturing industries, uh, shops, hotels. Um, all across Quebec teachers. and Canada. Teachers, yeah. Teachers as well. Anybody else? Other kinds of work? Programmer? I'm a programmer. programmer. I'm a programmer. <laughs> I'm, I'm Unionized IT. Uh, oh, yeah. Wow. Uh, I got to hear how this happened. Well, actually, we were already unionized when I joined. Uh, we were, but I think we're the only union with I, with it for IT in, in the CSN. Okay. Uh, so we're a small group. 
and uh, I was uh, president of my union and then I got elected at the Central Council where our job is mostly mobilization organizing but also we do political work. Um, labor laws, uh, health and safety, uh, international solidarity, um, LGBTQ L rights, <laughs> rights. <laughs> women's rights. Uh, yeah, he, he's from another union. He's oh, from he's another a uh, yeah. different oh, federation. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good, <laughs> Which union are you with? I'm with uh, the Quebec Federation of Labor. I'm with uh, the COPE. Uh, office Professional Union, uh, which is uh, SEPB in uh, Quebec, the, the French name. So it's Syndicat des Employés Professionnels de Bureau. I'm getting an education here. <laughs> yes, and I'm also in uh, my uh, city uh, work council and uh, in the other federation, the FTQ federation. Tell, tell me about works councils because I sort of vaguely remember. Uh, Labor Council is uh, a regional based group. So, like, uh, we have uh, 97,000 members in the Montreal region uh, and not uh, any union that wants to, to go there and be affiliated on a, a regional basis goes there and we have, like, monthly uh, general assemblies. And I was just re-elected for a three-year mandate uh, this Tuesday. Thank you. Or, or, or sorry, as the case may be. <laughs> well, it's 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 more like militant work, so uh, and not getting paid for it, so it's great. It, it, I'm there for the good reasons. So, do you have any uh, particular workshops you're you're especially looking forward to? And there's like 600 or something. Uh, there's. Um, I wanted to go to some of the health and safety uh, ones because we had a, a big um, a big reform on the laws in Quebec last year and it was bad it was like quebec was the top in in the there's 64 jurisdictions in north america we were amongst the top with the new law we're 64th okay <laughs> it's, bad, right? it's yeah. terrible and we did a lot of work to change things but you know so i'm looking forward to those i want to meet uh, some organizers from uh, starbucks like the like there's like superstars the, the this year like Chris Malls and Starbucks workers, I'm really like impressed following daily Starbucks workers. To everyone in Canada and Quebec that says you cannot organize like small stores and stuff, they are doing it. That I think it's one over 150 now. Check every day. It changes. It, it changes. Six months ago, it was zero. So. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, there were there were two, like two were starting six months ago. So, uh, oh, it's it's. And so I I hope that the the Canadian and the Quebec workers they they, they catch that drift and that uh, Starbucks wave because those workers they're impressive. They're I'm looking up to them, and uh, wow, wow. I want to talk to them. We're doing Amazon uh, in Montreal. We have a two, two, two. Uh, Montreal Amazon worker you know. Yeah. So yeah. there's there. We're starting. Uh, it, they, they should be here, but there's a storm in Montreal, so some people just couldn't get off. But the unionization, like um, what we call syndicalisation, where they they, they get new uh, unions, are uh, they're gonna be here. Because they want to meet the Amazon workers too, and get them from there, that they come to our union and not theirs. <laughs> yeah. Everywhere I go, I see a different situation. But everywhere I go, I see the same thing. 
Everywhere we are, we're in a different situation, but everywhere we are, we know the same thing. That's it for today's edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, a special edition of the Labor Radio Podcast Weekly. Remember, you'll find all the Labor Radio Podcast Network shows at laborradionetwork.org. And you can also find them by using the hashtag LaborRadioPod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. The Labor Radio Podcast Daily was edited by Patrick Dixon. I produced the show. Our social media guru, as always, is Mr. Harold Phillips, along with Mel Smith. You can follow us, we hope you do, on Twitter, Instagram, at Labor Radio Net. Find out more on our website at laborradionetwork.org. For the Labor Radio Podcast Daily, this is Chris Garlock. Stay active and stay tuned to your local Labor Radio Podcast show. There is one question with a thousand answers, or perhaps only one answer to a thousand things to ask. But hey, don't you know, there's no need to feel dejected, because all of our grievances are connected. Ooh.